You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? I had this dream, Mr. Wine, that you and I would be participating in the Fan Hose podcast, and you and I would both take part in the Fan Hose dare, and I would come up with a television show that I wanted you to watch, and you would come up with a television show that you wanted me to watch. But when it came down to it, I couldn't think of anything, Mr. White. I failed you. Get out, Alfred. Greetings, programs. Welcome back to Fan Holes. This is Derek, Derek WC. And if you couldn't tell by the intro, we're going to be doing another Fan Holes Dare show. And if you don't know what that is, basically, that's when us here at the Fan Holes, we take a TV show that we think one of the other Fan Holes may like, and it probably is something that we like ourselves, and we share it with the other Fan Hole, kind of round-robin style, and everybody kind of gives their thoughts and commentary on what they've seen and, you know, kind of what their homework assignment is. Um, but before we get into the Fan Holes Dare, I just wanted to acknowledge we did get some email. Uh, we got some email on the Batman podcast that we did, so that was episode 49, and uh, real quick, this is from Deke Winsome, and he's saying, Hey, you dirty fan holes and Grimlock, thanks for the Batman podcast. Loved hearing Jim Starlin and Jim Aparo get some love. James Owsley wrote a couple issues after A Death in the Family that were standalone, outstanding issues. Batman 431 and 432 are just a couple of good solo Batman stories. While I hate modern Frank Miller... You guys are correct that you can't deny the brilliance of Year One and The Dark Knight Returns. Anyway, good job, everyone. And riddle me this, what knocks once at midnight, twice at midday, and never in December? I don't know. I'm expecting Brian knows the answer to that because it's some Arkham Asylum Riddler stuff. But I, hmm, I actually don't. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm like, it's not Santa Claus because Santa Claus always knocks in <laughs> December. So I'm, I don't know. But anyway, thanks for the email, Deke, and keep listening. And if anybody else likes sending us emails, please do, and we'll definitely uh, read everything on air for you. And if you don't like sending us emails, then we have no use for you, and we hate you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so so I guess we're going to do the, the fan holes dare, and uh, I'm just going to go, uh, you know, clockwise on my uh, Skype mobile here. 
And I'm going to start with uh, with Mike, which I guess means I'm going to be talking a bunch because Mike gave me a homework assignment. But Mike, why don't you tell everybody what, what my homework assignment was? Well, I gave Derek the homework assignment to watch the first five episodes, or, well, it's like the first miniseries of Exo Squad, which was a cartoon in the uh, mid-90s or early 90s. I forgot exactly. I think it was like 94, maybe? I'm not sure. But um, basically it, it was it like... Says, it said it was, it was 93 to 94 was the original. Yeah, around there, yeah. And uh, basically, it was in syndication. It wasn't like on any like major networks blocks or anything. But I used to watch it like before school, after school. They repeated it a lot in my region, and uh, it, I thought it, I always loved it. I thought it was a great show. Um, like it's it's kind of like America's Gundam, but with like crazy like neon green colors, like '90s color schemes and stuff. So. But uh, yeah, I I I really love that show. I'm I'm really sad that uh, only the first season is currently out on DVD, and it doesn't look like they're probably gonna release anything more for a while. So you can review the tapes a thousand times to see what you did, what you should have done. But the only battle that really counts is the next one. But uh, I'm curious to hear what you thought about it, Derek. So, well, um, yeah, I think I think like the first season only has like what the first like 13 episodes or whatever. But there was a whole other like 52 episodes after that that makes up the second season. So I know if I continue to watch the show, there's a lot more in store for me. Um, I watched it on Hulu. So I mean, if you if you can't get it on DVD, that's another good way to uh, watch the remainder of the series. I enjoyed watching it. I kind of think of it as like the Fox Kids X-Men, like, that's kind of what it reminded me of. There's, you know, a big cast of characters, and it seems to borrow a lot from all kinds of different sci-fi genres and everything. I mean, obviously, like Mike said, one of the clear comparisons that you could make is, you know, they kind of have mech suits and ships and everything, so it's very Gundam-esque, I guess, you know, and, and I guess in terms of anime, people like to make that comparison, you know, in terms of having a long running story and everything. I mean, J.T. Marsh gets thrown in the brig or whatever early on, kind of like Amuro. But it also kind of reminded me of stuff like Battlestar Galactica, because you have the whole, like, military hierarchy and everything like that. And so you've got, like, you know, what's-his-face, that one guy, Captain Marcus, who's, like, the asshole guy and everything, and he's always trying to, like, get J.T. in trouble. But then, like, the Admiral comes on the ship, and it's like, oh, JT, it's cool, everything's okay. And it kind of reminds me of how they did things like that in, in uh, the, I guess, the Neo Battlestar Galactica with, like, Colonel Ty. Because Colonel Ty was kind of like the old curmudgeon first officer that was always given, like, Starbucks shit or Apollo shit. And in the meantime, it was kind of like Adama, you know, his son, you know, he kind of looked after him. So it kind of is like the same thing there where... They've got, like, an admiral, you know, looking after that one guy, J.T. Marsh, kind of like he's his son and stuff like that. My first impressions, it, it, it was weird to, to, it took me a while to get into it, because I think I watched the first two episodes, and I, I was going to ask Mike about this, but, like, the intro to the, to the show actually gives you, like, a synopsis of, of kind of what the main plot of the show is. But I guess the main plot is how there are these guys, the Neo-Sapiens, and they're kind of like uh, 
like replicants from Blade Runner, but they're all kind of blue looking and everything. Like basically they're supposed to be this evolved form of humanity that of course is turned into slave labor and, and made to work on Mars and Venus and all these other planets. And while I was watching the intro, the intro was kind of like, oh, and the evil Phaeton like says, fuck this shit and decides to take over Venus, Mars and the Earth. And now JT and the Abel Squad are fighting back as the resistance and stuff like that. And so when, when the first two episodes start, none of that's happened yet. So you, you kind of get slowly built into that world. But at the time, I was kind of confused because I guess they were giving backstory about how there was an original Martian revolt. And I was kind of like, was the intro referring to the original Martian revolt or was it referring to, you know, something that's going to happen? And I wasn't really sure. And there were all these kind of political shenanigans where, you know, you had the shady Chicago mayor and he's kind of like, come on, let's let's all cheer for Phaeton. Like, let's all shake hands and you know, save peace and everything, and, and this and that and the other thing. And then, of course, like, my favorite character shows up, which was uh, Sean Napier, which is like, he's like a cop there at one of the rallies and everything, and it's kind of like, you know, he obviously is doing his job and stops this guy from, you know, shooting Phaeton or whatever, trying to assassinate him, but he's kind of like, you know, he's like, just because uh, just because I'm doing my job doesn't mean I like you dirty sapes, you know, and I'm kind of like, <laughs> it reminds me of like, uh, you know, like Chuck Heston, where I'm like, you know, he's like, get your four prong chubby blue digits off me, you damn dirty sape, <laughs> you know, and everything like that. So like, I, I, I just I enjoyed the character. Like, it seems like he eventually, I guess, when when Phaeton like chose his true colors and everything and they invade, he's the one who kind of becomes like the leader of the the earthbound resistance whereas i guess jt and the able squad and everything they're kind of like it seems like they're more you know out in space and and dealing with fleet type stuff and i'm not, i'm not sure how far it goes to and fro you know like if they all fight on earth a bunch or if they it's, all go out into it, space they they like every like i don't know every like 6 or 7 episodes they'll cut back to like here's what the earth's resistance is doing right, and stuff right. so yeah it kind of cuts back and forth yeah so i mean you know it's like that that was kind of cool um you know the exo frames that they use or you know i guess they're a lot like you know gundam mobile suits and stuff though i i don't know how specific they got and what their function was cuz sometimes i felt like I, I i didn't know what was the gundam and you know or if i was just looking at a bunch of gun tanks if that makes any sense you know cuz it's like some of them it's kind of like they all kind of that's what reminded me of like x men was like you know how like if you don't know who the characters superpowers in the comic books and if you just watch an episode of X-Men, you just kind of see people flying around and, like, shooting out different colors of, like, light. And you're kind of like, well, you don't exactly know what the power is then, you know. But if you knew, like, say, like, Oracle is, you know, like, a telepath, then you're like, oh, the blue light that comes out of her head is representing, you know, telekinesis or telepathy or what what have you, you know. And, uh, you know, there I was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, they're they're all kind of like, shooting and doing different things, but I wasn't sure because they were all designed so differently, like if they had different functions and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's there's other characters besides JT and Able Squad. They've got, uh, the ironically, the Japanese guy, Takagi, is like the noob on the squad. You know, I guess if you're comparing it to uh, Japanese anime, right? So that, I don't know, I thought that was kind of ironic. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then you've got Marsala, who 
I, I don't know. It was like I was trying to take him seriously because he seems like a pretty heavy and serious character. But then he is named after a wine. So I kept thinking like <laughs> I, I, I kept thinking of like because my, my favorite like Italian dish is like chicken marsala. So I couldn't you know, I was like I get hungry every time he comes on the screen or whatever. But he is a Neo Sapien, but he's like a good Neo Sapien, I guess. Or obviously he's not part of the invasion fleet that Phaeton sends in. And he kind of reminds me a lot of, like, Tonto to the Lone Ranger or, like, Mr. Spock or something like that. Well, don't tell me Marcus had you arrested, too. Lieutenant, why would I tell you of something which has not occurred? It was a joke, Marcella. Was it amusing? I guess not very. Like, especially when in the episode Balance of Terror, when everybody kind of keeps looking at Mr. Spock and going, hey, you got pointy ears, too, just like, just like the enemy. You know, and so a lot of people are looking towards uh, towards Marsala, even though he's, you know, saving their lives. Like, even Sean Napier's like, oh, get your hands off me, you stupid sape. And then, There's, you know, later I, on, you know, he, he kind of does him a solid and helps him not get killed. So then it's like, you know, things shift a little bit in the paradigm, so... In, in season two, there's, like, a great episode where, like, Marsala gets, like, kidnapped by a bunch of, like, rednecks, pretty much. And they're like, you goddamn sape, you know, you stinking sape, and we're gonna go, you know, execute you out in the woods or something. And, like, he, like, ends up saving all their lives and stuff. It's kind of funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then, then like, I that character... And then um, I guess th there's some other, like, uh, female characters. Like, there's the character Maggie Weston, who kind of reminds me, like, she kind of looks like Cable's wife. Like, I don't know if you know who that is, but it's like, you know, Cable's got his long, torrid history or whatever. But she was in, like, the first couple issues, and her name's, like, Aaliyah Jenscott Dayspring Summers. Like, she's got, like, five names or whatever. But, like, she kind of looks similar to uh, to Maggie, like, the way they have their you know, I guess, kind of helmets and, and outfits and everything. But man, I got to tell you, though, the haircuts of the future, horrible. Like, everybody's, <laughs> everybody's got, like, the Superboy fade cut, like, where it's not even a fade. It's, like, it's just straight up buzzed in the back. And, like, there are these chicks that are, like, supposed to be, like, Hillary Clinton politicians, like, of Hillary Clinton's age. Like, imagine Hillary Clinton, but she gets half of her skull, like, buzzed, and that's, like, the style. Like, that's what some of these people look like. And I was just kind of like, wow, that, I'm all, I don't know, Phaeton deserves to wipe out these people if they, like, wear their hair <laughs> like that, you know? But, um, anyway, uh, I enjoyed watching it. Um, like I said, it, like, because of the way the intro was set up, I wasn't sure if that was, like, an intro that was added later after they, they aired the first five episodes or what, but that kind of confused me for, like, a little bit, because I was kind of like, well, who are they fighting? They're not fighting the Neo-Sapiens, and then I went, oh, they're fighting the pirates, you know? And so I guess in that sense, it is kind of, you know, Gundam-esque with lots of different political kind of alignments and intrigue going on, you know, where you've got the pirates. And I assume at some point they have, like, some kind of rival fusion with the pirates or something against the Neo-Sapiens or, you know, or maybe Neo-Sapiens have to team up with, with uh, you know, Able Squad against some evil pirates or, you know, however that works. But I assume there's different kind of, you know, factions and factors that, that go into the show later on. Yeah. But I, I definitely enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it... it it, it's kind of a simple way of, of exploring bureaucracy and and uh, you know uh, you know all these kind of heavy elements you know whether it's you know politics or you know uh, you know different uh, you know war you know all that kind of stuff but you know I, I I think I would definitely uh, check out some more episodes. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's got it's it's got some really heavy themes to it, and like it's not it's not shy about killing people off too. Like there's no like double talk or anything. Like you know, there's no parachutes or anything most of the <laughs> time. Like when people blow up, like they blow up, and sometimes you even see them blow up. So I always appreciated that. Did you ever get any of the the toys or anything like that, Mike? Because I, I watched. Yeah, I. I had a handful of the toys, and uh, they were they were pretty good. Um, that they, they had the syndrome though, where the picture on the box of the toy wasn't like the same toy you were getting in the box. Like you know, okay. like the the paint was a lot more detailed on the box, and it had more weapons. And then like when you open the toy, it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't have that. Like it's like they photographed like the prototypes of the toy and stuck those on the box and then like gave you some watered down thing but I, I, all in all they were pretty decent toys yeah i watched i watched some of the toy commercials for that which i thought were kind of cool like they kind of looked like little almost gi joes and little kind of plastic mech suits or stuff i mean am i interpreting the scale pretty accurately or were they smaller than that or big um I think a little bit smaller than G.I. Joe's, but yeah, pretty much the same like kind of quality. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, and then the other thing I wanted to bring up, which I wasn't sure if anybody knew about, but uh, I had to do a lot of digging on this. But there was an Exo Squad uh, comic book that was released from uh, Topps Comics, um, but I guess all they released was issue number zero. But I, there were covers made for one through three, and then I, I sort of had to do some digging. But uh, as far as I can tell, like it was some kind of licensing issue where they got the license, they were pursuing it, they released that first issue, they planned to release the next three. But I guess somewhere along the line, they kind of pulled out of of doing that, which you know, I don't know. Like like to me, the, the only drawback I would say with the show, which I was just going to mention because it kind of goes into Universal studios and the licensing stuff there was i didn't think the animation was like all that like i mean and i was kind of trying to research like who animated this because it kind of like that's what i mean when i say it kind of reminded me of the fox kids x-men because things are kind of a little i don't know the direction and maybe some of the way things were animated can get a little confusing and and it just didn't look as good as it could have looked sort of so i was thinking to me i was thinking i was like did acom animate this shit you know like i was like trying to point my finger at like a korean studio or something like that but uh i I, as far as i can tell it was some kind of universal thing so i don't know i i I don't suspect it was animated in-house you know i suspect they sent it overseas somewhere but it doesn't really i i couldn't really figure out where it was there there's there's yeah there's a what do you call like towards the end of the series there's like a sort of like call of the primitives thing where there's like one single episode that's like fantastically animated and it's like an anomaly and that's it but yeah no 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 but that you know it's it's definitely a good show it's thought-provoking and uh and and it, it has a lot of those science fiction tropes you know so obviously being a fan of science fiction it's easy for me to like spot those and appreciate them and everything so Thanks a lot, Mike. No problem. Um, so I guess that'll end, wrap up the whole Exo Squad thing. Um, I'm gonna move it on to um, to Justin, and uh, uh, or wait, I guess I should do yeah, because that's that's uh, I guess I'll I'll say what I assigned Justin, um, which is uh, the HBO TV miniseries John Adams. And this is, you know, a historical, uh, you know, television miniseries that basically chronicles, you know, the entire life, 
pretty much of John. A- uh, well, I mean, I'd say from from you know the American Revolution until the you know his twilight years and everything. Basically, you know, kind of everything of of big, great importance in terms of you know American politics and everything like that and history. Um, and so there's about seven episodes that kind of cover his whole. Uh, career basically, you know, and you start out at the American, you know, the you know the outskirts of the beginning of the American Revolution, you know, during the Tea Party and uh, you know, basically, you know, the 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 redcoats are coming, all that kind of stuff that's going on, and then you basically, you know, sort of traverse the whole way to you know through Washington's presidency, through you know his own presidency, and then you know towards sort of the end of his twilight years and and you know kind of how he rounded out life and, you know, what became of his family and his heirs and different things like that, like John Quincy and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was something I, I assigned Justin because I know he really, really likes history, and I thought it was a really, really kick-ass uh, miniseries. So uh, why don't you tell us what you thought of it, Justin? Um, I really liked it. Like, this is, you know, as we say, this is one of those things that had been on my list for quite some time, so... You assigning this to me just kind of, you know, allowed me to finally watch it and get it off my list. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. Um, going into it, the one thing I had in my mind was, uh, you know, Paul Giamatti plays John Adams. And, I mean, I like him as an actor. I thought he was really good as um, uh, Bob Samuda in Man in the Moon, you know, the Andy Kaufman movie. But then he's in so many other, like, weird things. Like, he was in a Frankie Muniz movie, um, Big Fat Liar. And he's in... Uh, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes remake, and then he's in um, American Splendor's Harvey B. Carr. Yeah. So he's in all, all these weird kind of movies. So I'm like, well, I don't know if he can quite pull off, you know, John Adams. Like, you know, he's certainly not someone I would have picked for the role, but he did a really good job. Like, I was really impressed with what he did. I thought he had a really good range of, like, just all of his emotions. Like, there was, like, I think two episodes where they send Adams to France to try and secure this peace treaty, you know, to get, like, reinforcements to uh, help them against the British. So he's over there with Benjamin Franklin, and ben he's Franklin's just kind of... a big, fat jerk. <laughs> hey, Adams just ends up being fairly useless, and he goes to this big social, um, you know, to-do, where Franklin has, like, mastered all the intricacies of, of French diplomacy, whereas John Adams is kind of like, you know, just a lawyer from Boston, and he's kind of taken aback by all this, you know, like, this fork is for the salad, and this fork is for your spaghetti, and all this stuff, and he kind of well, makes it's kinda, it's kind of also, I think, the, the extravagance of the whole society. He's yeah. kind of like, hey, I need some ships for, you know, a naval fleet so we can win this war against the British. I don't have time to be, you know, talking about poo-poo this, and, you know, all this other <laughs> crap that they were, you know, basically, you know, they were kind of like, how do we make love? How do we do this? You know, and, and it, it's funny because because you see how he sort of gets the hang of it, like, you know, especially when, when Franklin is kind of like nodding him on, where he's like, oh, you can't just jump straight into it. You know, you kind of, you know, how he kind of makes the connection between, he's like, well, you know, we need to win this war so we can send our, you know, children to school, and then my children will learn how to, you know, build homes and do this, and their grandchildren will learn how to, you know, become lawyers and go to school, and then their grandchildren will get to go see art and do all your frou-frou French things. And then eventually, then all the French are like, oh, wee-wee, oui, oui, CC, you know, and then they get <laughs> all happy, you know, so. 
but yeah, I guess you have to be kind of, you know, you definitely have to, you know, it, it was a balance where, you know, he, he wasn't a, a well known for, for that part of his, uh, skill, I guess. Uh, also like when he, he gets uh, sent to like, um, the Netherlands, like to the Dutch Republic and he's like asking for a loan and they're like, well, we, we agree with you and, you know, we would like to help you, but you know, do you have any established credit? <laughs> he's just kind of taken aback by that. He's like, what? Yeah. You know, we're. You know, he's like, well, we're we're over here dying. We need your help. You know, we don't have credit, but we can pay you back if you help us win. Yeah, yeah. I also liked um, Laura Linney in this, who plays yeah, uh, Abigail. Yeah. yeah, like I, I remember her from like an early episode of Law and Order, like in the fourth or fifth season. And you know, she's been in stuff like Congo and Truman Show, and you know, uh, other stuff like that. Like I thought she was really great, especially just you know, while he's over there in Denmark or not Denmark, uh, but in, with the Dutch and over in France. She's at home with all the kids, like trying to raise them and everything, and just you know being extremely frustrated that you know her husband's always gone. Like uh, first he's gone, you know, with the uh, with all the other like founding members of the country, like you know trying to get everything ratified. And he's, yeah, because they basically you know they, they had to go into hiding and sneak from yeah. you know spot to spot so they wouldn't all be killed. So he was always kind of on the run there. And then, like you're saying, he was in France and the Netherlands and, you know, trying to secure all this, you know, financing for the war and basically fund the war effort. Yeah, when he, when he first even tells her, he's like, look, I got to go to France and I'll be gone for, you know, three years. She's just like, no, she's like, absolutely not. You know, I'll never get to see you. But, you know, she ends up giving in and he lets him go. And then I really like the episode where she ends up going over there and uh, spend some time with him. Like, yeah. I, really like that. Yeah. I also liked um uh, what was his name? The actor who played uh, Thomas Jefferson, Stephen Delane. Yeah, he was really good. Like he was very, it was very subtle. Like all the things he did. Like yeah, he was kind of he was kind of subdued. You know, kind of. I would gladly lend my hand to sink the whole island of Great Britain in the ocean. Well, now I have not heard you say three words together in the last Congress. With such passion, I regret that you've not made your mind more plainly known. I have no gift for oratory. Like when, when uh, you know, he spent all the time writing the Declaration of Independence, and then Franklin and Adams start tearing it apart, and he's just kind of sitting there. You can tell, tell that he hates everything they're doing to it, and he's like, you know, I painstakingly put every word in there. Like I pick every word for a purpose, and you're kind of, you're just tearing it apart. Um, but uh, like going into this, like uh, you know, I love history and I especially love stuff about presidents. But Adams was one of the ones I didn't know a lot about. Like all I knew about was that he defended the soldiers, um, the British soldiers that were accused of killing the people in the Boston Massacre, and then also knew about his friendship with uh, Thomas Jefferson. So I kind of knew they had this great friendship, and then it fell apart, and then you know. Right before they died, they kind of renewed this friendship. Yeah. So it was really great to see that. Like, I really liked that last episode where even though I knew it was coming that they were going to reestablish their friendship after Adams is out of office, the, it was still really great to see that. You know, they're writing all these, like, great florid friendship letters to each other and everything, and I really enjoyed that. I guess the only thing – I would have liked to have seen more of, like, I guess uh, – John Quincy Adams' time, like he's kind of oh, okay. he's kind of there. Like I liked all the stuff with the family, especially all of his kids, you know. And there's like I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but 
you know, he's got some trouble kids. Like one especially is a, kind of a troublemaker. Charles. He can't, yeah, <laughs> he can't do anything with him. Which I guess there's always one in the family. But I, I, w- I would have liked to have seen a little bit more time with uh, John Quincy, especially you know, with his time as president. Which I guess, you know, that really wasn't the point. It's John Adams, not John yeah. Quincy Adams. But you know, well, but overall, I mean, they, like they, they touched on it, you know. But yeah, like you say, it yeah. wasn't really his. His miniseries, you know, maybe they'll make another one do the John Quincy <laughs> miniseries. If they do make something similar, I wish they would do like uh, Thomas Jefferson with Stephen Delane. Like, I think that would be great. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I really like this. This was a really great pick from you. Like, I'm, you know, like I said, I had wanted to watch it. I just never found the time. But uh, I really liked it. And you know, if anybody else out there has been wanting to watch it. Um, I really recommend it, especially if you like stuff about the presidents or history. Like, I, I thought it was really great. Yeah, and if you like any of the actors that Justin's talked about, like Paul Giamatti or Laura Linney or anything like that, it's also worth a watch, you know, for just yeah. those reasons. You know, if you like uh, stuff like, say, Band of Brothers, you know, it's a Tom Hanks produced kind of American historical miniseries. So if you're into yeah. any of that kind of stuff, then this, this would definitely be uh, up your alley. Yeah, um, Derek mentioned um, Benjamin Franklin, which he, he's kind of a hoot to watch, and he's played by Tom Wilkinson. Yeah, yeah. Which also. I think it's funny. Good actor. He he also played uh, General Cornwallis in uh, Mel Gibson's The Patriot movie. So I'm like, he needs to pick which side he's on. Is he going to be with the British or is he going to be with us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, so I guess that. Uh, that we're on you, Justin. Uh, wh- what did you pick, and uh, who was your who was your victim? My victim would be Brian, and for him, I picked uh, the show *Common Rider Double*, which is the *Common Rider* incarnation of three or four years ago, I think. Cyclone, Joker, Hessing. And this is the first Kamen Rider series I watched from start to finish. Like, I had watched a little bit of Kamen Rider O's, and then I kind of jumped back and watched all of Double. And I really liked it. It has some really neat themes to it. Um, I think I mentioned this on a previous show, but it has this really neat theme of, like, the lead character, Shotaro, is like a detective. Like, he wants to be a hard-boiled detective. But they keep calling like him half boiled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's he's kind of a goofy guy, and you know he kind of screws things up. So they're like, "You're not hard boiled. You're ha- you're half boiled." Um, so I, you know, I didn't unlike Tony picking wrestling, which tortured Brian. I kind of wanted to pick this to try and expose Brian to this, kind of like how I picked Doctor Who to expose Derek to some Doctor Who instead of torture him. So I'm pretty curious to see what he thought of the first two episodes of Cullen Rudder Double. Um, well, you're gonna, you guys are gonna have to give me a moment to compose myself here because um, what I'm about to say, I've been waiting so long to say it, and I just want to savor this moment. <sighs> this was so much better than wrestling, Justin. <laughs> I can't even decide like I, like how worried I was going into this dare, you know, just because of the memories of the last one, and then like after watching the first episode, like how much I ended up enjoying the show. So, like, a big thanks off the bat. Um, <laughs> well, I guess for one thing, it wasn't, like, two or three hours long either. Yeah, it's true. Like, I think the, the episodes I watched were, like, each 24 minutes or something like that. But um, 
No, I thought it was really, really cool. And, like, um, the interesting thing is when I was in Japan, like, I kept watching TV every time I was in the hotel room, like, mm-hmm. hoping to catch cool shows like this. And all I ever caught was, like, news or, like, really crazy game shows. And it is, it is like, never cool cartoons, like, cool anime or cool shows like this. So as I was watching it, I was just like, you know, man, why couldn't I have seen this, you know, when I was in Japan and I actually had the full experience. But, um, yeah, it's a very, very cool show. Um, I don't know. It reminds me of Power Rangers just because of, you know, the setup and, like, how they power up and suit up and stuff. And, like, um, all the Gaia memory monsters kind of remind me of all the bad guys from Power Rangers and things like that. But um, it's pretty cool. The, uh, there's a lot of comedy in it, and I really like um, – I don't remember her name, but, like, the landlord girl. Oh, Akiko. Yeah. Yeah, she's really funny, and like yeah, I, like, I her. like her, like her interactions with the the main character, the detective guy or the half boiled detective. Like that's really funny to watch, and um, like Philip's kind of cool. I only watched two episodes, but I thought like him being like the information dude and going like into his mind was kind of like almost virtual reality or something, where they have to find keywords to solve their case, and then every keyword they find, it, it narrows down a search, and then they can, you know, kind of guess what's going to happen next and go stop the baddie. So that was pretty cool. Um, I did have a couple questions for you. Like, the first episode starts off with, like, the boss getting murdered, and, like, was that guy important in a previous series? Because I had, like, no clue who that guy was. <laughs> no, he uh, he's, he's important, but he's, like, that's the first time you see him. And then it's kind of explained in a Kamen Rider double movie that he was also a Kamen Rider. Like, he was Kamen Rider's skull. And, you know, he was Shotaro's mentor and, you know, boss and everything. But uh, they, they kind of covered that more in one of the movies. And he, he comes back to help them out, like, a, in, you know, in times of great crisis, like his ghost will show up and, you know, help them along. But you okay. get more of that in the movie. Um, is he related at all to the landlord girl? Yeah, that's uh, – he's her father. Okay. All right, and then like I didn't quite understand all the the common rider powers. Like, what does Joker do? Like, some were pretty obvious. Like, Cyclone had like wind powers and stuff, but like Joker, I couldn't figure out what his power was. But he was always the one they selected. Joker, uh, it's more like a fighting state, I think. Like, he has like most common riders have like a typical common rider kick or common rider punch attack. And whenever you see, like later on in the series, there's some shenanigans with their powers and stuff, and you see Joker just as, you know, usually you get just half of a suit. Like mm-hmm. Joker is like black and purple. Like later on, you'll see the full suit as black and purple, and he has just the basic like common rider punch and kick attacks. I, I just sort okay. of took that as like it's a wild card, right? Like it's supposed to do like crazy stuff, right? That that cards other cards don't normally do or something. Or? That kind of makes sense. I was almost going with, like, you know, just because that character's so kind of, like, goofy and tongue-in-cheek, yeah. maybe it was, like, a, a jab at him, you know, he's right. a joker. Yeah. But, yeah, your wild card thing makes sense, too. The dinosaur looked funny. <laughs> that was the second episode where that chick, like, powered up into, a, like, a dinosaur T-Rex head. That right. was pretty funny. So what do you what, – I have to ask this question because I, I, I watched the episodes, too, to prep up on this. Um Philip wears a braid. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Hey, I, I agree. I agree with Brian that that the way he uh, 
he does his search and narrows all the data out. Like, I agree that Philip's badass, but he's also kind of funny because he's wearing a braid. He has, a, he has like, a weird sense of style with, like, what he wears and everything. But, that like, with his character, like, they do a lot more. Like, they go into his past and they uh, – you'll eventually, like, find out, like, what his purpose is and, like, what his relationship is to some other characters that are, like, introduced later on. But – like as for his sense of fashion, why I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess I guess it kind of juxtaposes the two characters. I mean, uh, what, what's his face? Shintaro's trying really hard to be hard boiled, whereas Philip is probably not. I mean, you know, obviously he's intelligent and very focused and driven, but you know, visually he's not trying to look hard. Like if I ran into Philip in a dark alley, I'd be like, oh, he wants to like kiss me, <laughs> not he wants to kick my ass. You know what I right. mean? Like, so, so basically to me, I'm kind of like thinking of it like a a firestorm odd couple thing where, you know, they, they, these guys have to sort of merge together, but they're obviously not, you know, compatible personalities per se, you know, like they, they definitely, you know, uh, you know, they, they drum their own beat and then when they come together, it's kind of wild and crazy. That's actually a pretty good comparison with the firestorm thing because it's basically like each of them controls like half of the body. And then, you know, they can kind of hear each other talking. And sometimes in certain episodes, one's like, you know, I want to do this with this attack. And then one's like, no, we need to do this because my research says do this and, you know, trust me and all that stuff. So Firestorm's a really good comparison, Derek. Yeah, even the first episode, like, um, he switched to Luna or something, which I guess is like Mr. Fantastic's power because he's all stretchy. But, um, like, uh, Shintaro, is that the guy's name? What's the main character's name? Shotaro. 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 Yeah, he, like, yelled at him, like, you know, notify me before you switch powers on me or something. And then, like, in the second episode, he kind of, like, slaps him. So is this something you would watch more of, like, if... Yeah, actually, I plan to continue watching it. Um, oh, how, really? how long is this series? Um, should be about 40-some episodes. Yeah, uh, usually, usually 40... it's like they run for, like, the whole... Yeah, it's 49. Yeah, and then there's, like, a few movie tie-ins, and there's some, you know... Like I said, there's one movie that's just all about the backstory from the first episode with uh, Kamen Rider Skull. And then there's a few other movies where Double will team up with uh, some other Kamen Riders. Yeah. Like, I haven't watched a whole lot of uh, live-action Japanese shows, but I thought this was pretty cool, so I'm definitely interested. Cool. Well, I guess that brings us to Brian. And, uh, Brian, what was your uh, TV pick, and, and who was your uh, TV picky? Um, back when I was in high school, there's kind of a quirky show on MTV. It's not really a show one would have expected to be on MTV because it was a puppet show. And the show's name was Syphil and Ollie. And this is a show which, at the time, I absolutely loved. I thought it was hysterical. It's pretty much not like anything I'd ever seen before, so that's probably part of the appeal uh, to me about the show. And um, so as a dare to Mike, I just thought I'd have him watch a couple episodes to kind of see what he thought about it. So Mike, uh, can you go ahead and take it away? Certainly. Um, I, I kind of just, like, I looked on YouTube, and it's like there was one video that was like two and a half hours straight of Sybil and Ollie. <laughs> so it's like I just kind of clicked on that and just, like, kept that on for a while, and, you know, I watched that. So, like, I, I don't know if I actually watched, like, uh, specific episodes or just a bunch of skits, like, in a row or whatever, but 
Um, it kind of—it's funny you mentioned like you were in high school when it came out because uh, I was probably like a little bit around there too, and it kind of reminded me of like Adult Swim's like initial like stuff, like uh, you know, just the weird like like really like off the wall and like you said like quirky like kind of humor. Like uh, I thought it was pr- like. It was it was funny, but like it, it's like I I'm having trouble like remembering a lot of it. Like right. it's like yeah, it's it's kind of it's like a kind of in the moment thing. Like there there was that skit they did that I thought was pretty funny, where it's like it's time for us to answer like phone calls while we're driving around or something, <laughs> and like they're like in a car and they just keep like answering phone calls, and those the, most of those were like pretty funny. Like there was this one where like someone was like. Like, they call, and they're like, I'm under attack, I'm being attacked by a bear, what do I do? And they're, like, trying to give him advice, and then, like, they just hear, like, the guy screaming on the other end, and, like, they hang up, and they're like, I I think the bear got him, yeah, probably, yeah. (laughs) Stuff like that was pretty funny, and I don't know, one one of the ones that made me laugh was, like, when when they did, like, another, like, like, they... Uh, I think it was the same thing where like people were calling for advice or something, and like this woman like calls and she's like, um, "I'm a robot, and my parents like just got a new younger robot, and uh, they're not paying any more attention to me." And they're like, and, and like Sybil and Ollie are like, you know, um, does the newer like baby robot have like a battery or something and she's like yes it's a small one and they're like well just take it out you know and then they'll have to pay attention to you and they're like then she's like well also i have like a laser i mean i was just thinking i could like burn the baby robot and they're like oh yeah yeah or do that too yeah so then, yeah but i don't know like this I'm sorry. One of the uh, regular, regularly recurring skits is calls from the public, which is what you're probably talking about. And um, they did. It was hard, like, to recommend episodes for you to watch because you know you remember skits, but I have no clue what episode it's from. It's almost like if you had a favorite skit from Saturday Night Live or something, you know, you're not you're not gonna know like what episode that was on to recommend to someone unless you knew like a guest star, like oh that one David Bowie's on. But um, so I'm, it's good that you found that video with just kind of collection of stuff. But they've they've had some really great calls from the public. Like I remember once where like Count Dracula calls in, and I don't remember his problem, but they just kept asking him like, "So hey, do you know like Count Chocula and stuff?" And he's like, "Well, yes, but that's not really my problem." And like they won't let him get to his problem. They just keep asking about Count Chocula until he like hangs up on him. And um, then there is this other one where like uh. This guy calls in, and he's like, he had two twin daughters or something, and um, he's like, well, yeah, I got these two twin daughters, and just recently they've become, like, possessed by Satan. And, like, Sif and I are like, whoa, whoa, that's a serious problem. And then they're, like, trying to figure out what they could do for him, and the guy's like, well, the, the possessed by Satan thing's really not the problem. The problem is they want a pony for their birthday, and then in the background you hear... <laughs> Give us the pony! Borrow us the pony! <laughs> <laughs> this really deep satanic voice, like asking for a pony. <laughs> so yeah, there's just lots of good skits like that. There, there was one that I, I thought was pretty funny, where like they, uh, what do you call? It? They, they're, they, call, someone calls and the guy like mentions Star Wars. 
and they're like, wait, what's, what's, the, and both of them are like, wait, what's Star Wars? And like, the guy's like all aghast and stuff, and they're like, oh, it's only the best movies ever! And like, they keep acting like they don't like know what Star Wars is, and they're like, like, it's like, what, I don't, I don't get, what is this? Like, and like, the guy like tries to explain it to them, and they're like, well, that just sounds stupid, you know? And they're, they're just like, and they're like, well, you, we'll leave you and your like space fights, uh, uh, problem alone. He's like, it's not space fights, it's Star Wars! <laughs> But that that one was pretty funny too, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, like you said it's it's kind of hard to like remember specific things cuz it's like it's kind of like that you know, like adult swim humor where it's like, you know, really fast and really like off the wall and you like they you're jumping from one thing to the next pretty much. Yep. For those that, you know, don't have a lot of familiarity with the show, um it did only last two seasons on MTV and um Liam Lynch is act actually the creator of the show and people might know his work he he's a director and i think one of the writers for the tenacious d movie um but i guess like him all, the whole show started like with him and a high school buddy like when they moved away to college they would call one another and like do really funny voices over the phone or leave each other voicemails and then one day like liam just got an idea to like put this you know all these like clips he had of them talking to like puppets and then he sent them sent uh I think the other guy's name's Matt something, but he sent his buddy like a videotape of that, and they both thought it was hysterical, so they ended up submitting it to MDV, and it got picked up as a show, so that's kind of how the show came about, but um, yeah, it was a really, really funny show, and it's too bad it didn't like last longer than it had. Have you driven the new 3D Barbie van? No, I haven't driven one. All, toys are, all the toys are going holographic. In the future, everything's going to be holographic. So... What I mean, what do you buy? Just a holograph. All you producer? buy, all you buy is the base, the stand. That's gonna be really heavy. It is huge. And then that, <laughs> all your toys are produced through holograms. Holograms. So everything can, is gonna be a hologram. So you can't touch anything then. No. In the future, no. In the future, you won't touch anything because everything will be a hologram. But you can get a lot more things. You yeah. just won't be able to touch them. Right. They're, they're holograms. <laughs> If it if it had been on like Adult Swim like back then, I probably would have like loved it. Like I'd probably like I used to love watching like the Brack Show and like you know uh, C Lab and all that stuff. And that it seemed like something that would have fit in with all that. Yeah, you almost wonder if MTV was not like the best place to put it because like not everyone would get the humor. And I know that there's actually like a third season produced. But then, like, MTV decided not to air it live, and they decided to put it on the internet when, like, you know, that was back when, like, five people had access to the internet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, really didn't do well at that point, and then that was kind of the end of the Syphil and Ollie. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound like it's anything that people are trying to uh, actively promote these days, because the, that, that third season you're talking about, like, I noticed, like, that supposedly is on, like, an out-of-print DVD where they released those episodes, like, the lost, quote-unquote, episodes, but then, like, as far as, like, the first two seasons, it's kind of like, yeah, who gives a shit, you know, like, kind of thing, <laughs> where it's kind of like, you know, and I'm just kind of like, well, if they're fans of it, you know, maybe they'd they'd like to see, you know, all the episodes, but it sounded like it was kind of like, when it started, they were just interstitials, you know, in between like music videos or something, you know, but then eventually they they sort of made it a show or something. Now, I was going to say though, it, it provided some laughter for me, so thank you, Brian. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll have to find some clips that I know are humorous 
and I'll send them to all you guys because it's pretty funny stuff. Cool. I do want to. I do want to hear that pony one if you can yeah, find it. Horse a pony. <laughs> so I guess that pretty much wraps up this week's fan hole television there. Um, hopefully some of these you guys have maybe never heard of and you want to check out now, or, you know, if you were fans of any of the shows that we mentioned, you know, that, that you are happy to hear them get some, uh, some great reviews from us. But uh, now we'll just, I guess, move on to our, our typical thing here. We're going to move on to our awesome thing of the week. And uh, so we'll just, uh, I guess we'll go in reverse and uh, ask Brian what his awesome thing of the week is. Okay, uh, my awesome thing this week is a uh, kind of a rare event for me. Um, basically, I got a new guitar, which has been few and far between. But um, I got an Ibanez. It's a S-series guitar, which is like, I've had an S-classic since, uh, I don't know, ninth or 10th grade, I think is when I got it. And... um it's not a real expensive guitar. I think back then it was like a $700 guitar. But um, I've played like guitars like Paul Reed Smith and Taylor, you know, really expensive guitars, like up to $2,000. And I've never found a guitar I liked better. So I don't know why I decided to buy a new one. I guess I just wanted to treat myself. I was like, you know, I, I'd like a new updated Ibanez S-Series S guitar. So I bought it this week, and... Um, it came Wednesday, and I don't know. This has been really cool to have a new guitar, and I've been playing it quite a bit. So that was my awesome thing this week. Cool, cool. So are you gonna are you gonna record some new snap hip tracks for us on the the Ibanez soon? I will certainly do my best, guys. Awesome, awesome. So what about you, Justin? Man, what what is your awesome thing of the week? I have two, and I think they're both due to Brian, actually. Um. The first one is, for this one, we're going to go way, 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 way back in the Wayback Machine to our first TV dare when Brian dared me to watch an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So I was sitting around the other day kind of bored wanting something to watch. And because of the show we're doing now, I happened to think back. I was like, oh, I enjoyed that. I should watch some more of it. So I quickly watched all the way up to like the end of the fifth season. Like I'd just been watching like one right after the other. And... It, it's great. Like, there's been several episodes where I've just laughed so much. I'm like red in the face, and I'm like, <laughs> I've got tears in my eyes. I just, there's just so many hilarious things. Like, Larry David's always, he's always apologizing for things. He's always getting himself into these like crazy situations. Like, the one where he ends up inadvertently taking the hooker to the baseball game. <laughs> like, I, I like that one. The other thing is, I think Brian talked about this book as a, his awesome thing. It's I Am Ozzy by Ozzy Osbourne. Um, I kind of put that on my list after Brian talked about it, and I really liked it. You know, I like Ozzy Osbourne. I like his music. His book was an awesome read. Like he tells some really, some really great stories of like just crazy things that he did. You know, while trying to break into music, and there's you know crazy things like the bad incident. And, all these other things where he's like out of his mind shooting chickens. Like it, it was a really great read. So I enjoyed both of those. Cool. Very good. Very I actually good. don't think it's me that referenced an Aussie book. Like the only recent rock books I've read have been like Dave Mustaine and Dave Grohl. But, um, I thought it was you. I don't think so. I haven't, I, I don't know of an Aussie book that I've read. So you got the, you got the, I got the, the Tony, Tony germ. You got the Tony touch. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Mike, uh, uh, on that note, uh, what, what about you? Do you remember your awesome thing of the week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I just got a couple of TV shows that are I like that are currently airing. Uh, uh, Futurama came back a couple weeks ago, and uh, they've had like pretty solid episodes so far. And uh, I really like the one where Fry like inexplicably mutated into a butterfly at the end, <laughs> and then like they just cut the butterfly open, and Fry's just inside, like totally normal, but he's still like acting like a butterfly. He's just like going. And then, like, they're just like, Fry's back to normal! Yay! And, like, the episode just ends with, like, Fry, like, going, aww, like, on the table. I don't know, that cracked me up. But, uh, and the other thing is, uh, Gundam Age has been really awesome for the last few episodes, and that's probably because it's, like, winding down. It's, like, in the 40s, so, like, most Gundam series last for, like, 50 episodes, so, uh, they're probably ready to start stacking up fatalities. So that's always, like, an interest, the interesting part of any Gundam show, so... And shit starts getting real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's cool, because, like, um... This show, like, has had, as some of you may know, the show, it, like, focuses on three generations of characters. And, like, this this last, like, arc is sort of has, like, all three of the main characters, like, working together. And it's kind of like a sort of, like, like not rival fusion, but it's like a family fusion type deal. So where, it's like, a they're... generational fusion. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's pretty cool. Like, each character has, like, a sort of different mindset in in so far as how to treat the enemy like they're not all like you know we must we must you know fight and not kill them like one of them wants them all dead and the other one's like no we got to make peace with them and the other kids like no no we have to like help them cuz they're poor and sad but you know it's it's so pretty basically cool. it's like, like it's like grandpa homer and bart are all getting in mechs yeah. and fighting and shit Exactly, yep. Yeah, so it's really cool, and I, I'm really digging it, and I, I hope it ends strong. Cool, cool. Um, I still need to watch that, so uh, I'm going to get on that <laughs> one of these days. It's on my yeah, maybe list. I'll, maybe I'll give that to you for, like, whatever next dare we awesome, do. Awesome. Um, and I guess for me, um, it, it's kind of random, but uh, I recently have filled some gaps in my DVD Blu-ray collection of hard-to-find, out-of-print stuff um, that I've been looking for for a long time. So uh, my awesome things of the week are that uh, I, I now have the Watchmen Ultimate Cut on Blu-ray, which the Ultimate Cut, I guess, is like, it's like the director's cut, but it's merged with the Black Freighter animated, so there's like different you know, scenes that obviously transition into the animated version, and there's kind of, you know, a lot longer establishing shots and stuff like that. So obviously, you know, it's like, you know, it makes, what, a, a two-hour-plus movie turn into, like, a four-hour movie or, what you know, whatever, however yeah. the hell how long it is. But uh, it's got a lot of, it's got a commentary from Dave Gibbons, who was the artist of the original Watchmen. So that was kind of really cool to listen to. And then, um, and then it's also got a commentary from uh, Zack Snyder, who was the director of the film. And um, if if you wanna, you can get an Alan Moore commentary, but all he says is, "I hate this fucking movie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then as far as like other out of print things that I've been, uh, you know, uh, searching for for a long time and not having is, uh, uh, I finally got the chronological Donald Duck volume four, um, mm. because I, I missed out on that, you know, when it came out because I didn't have a job and I thought it was, you know, frivolous expenditure. And of course, cause you know, it's a Disney tin that turned into like, you know, a million dollars after it, you know, went out of print and stuff. So it took me a while to find a, a copy that wasn't like a, a billion dollars. I only paid like 1 billion for it. So it's no big deal. Um, so now I got all four volumes of the chronological Donald and then, uh, you know, I have to listen to Leonard Malton before I put in the DVD for every episode. Um, and then, um, and then, uh, the, the last thing that I filled in a bunch of gaps for are the, uh, pioneer Jenny on Lupin the third DVDs. Um, three of them that were really hard to find and out of print and pretty expensive, but I somehow managed to get them for the, not, they weren't cheap. But I, I got them for about ten bucks more than suggested retail value, so I figured that's good enough. Um, but it, I got volume eight, volume eleven, and volume fifteen, which were like the really hard to find ones. So now I have all fifteen volumes of Lupin the Third. You know the the one that showed on Adult Swim, the the Red Jacket series for those in the know. But uh, yeah, so those were my awesome things. I'm just happy that I, you know, I filled in all those gaps and it was something that was kind of hard to find and everything. And I don't have like, you know, any holes or gaps in my, my collection. So anyway, that's my awesome thing for the week. Um, once again, thanks to Deke for the email. If anybody else has any awesome emails and, and comments, questions, suggestions, you know, if, if there's something you want to see or hear us talk about on the show or review or anything, you know, give us a shout out. Uh, tell us what you think. Um, if you have any opinions on the shows, if you like the Dare shows, let us know. If you don't like the Dare shows, let us know that too. You can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. You can Twitter us, Facebook us, talk to us on the blog spot. Now either you are stuck raving mad or I am. Good day, sir. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, this is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Brian Breakdown. It's Mike Thunderwing. Justin Grimlock. Purse. Hate all movies that are based on me comics. Get your blue bloody paws off me with your four pronged digits, you bloody sape.